Thanks, Harry. Let's, um, let's pray. Dear Lord, we pray that you would help us to stand on every promise of your word as we look at it together now. Whatever is going on in our lives, wherever we are in our faith with you, help us, Lord, to trust your promises and to heed the words of Jesus and to respond rightly. Amen. Uh, what dangers could lie ahead for the person who follows Jesus? What could stop that person from reaching the end of the journey, from getting to heaven and enjoying eternal life with him forever? Uh, this last week, head teachers were warned at very short notice of the dangers of a certain form of concrete, and urgent investigations were needed. How much concrete was there in each school? Decisive action had to be taken. Some buildings were closed. Delays to the start of term, even for an unfortunate few schools, remote learning again. Drastic measures necessary to avoid potentially catastrophic results. Well, our reading this morning contains a number of warnings from Jesus to his disciples. And these alarm bells, they keep sounding through the chapter and beyond. Jesus himself is on a a decisive journey. He's heading towards the cross. He's been heading there since the end of chapter 9. To the cross where he's going to pay the price for sin and face the judgment that we deserve. But as he continues on his own unique journey, he teaches his disciples about the road ahead for them that they're going to travel later. And Jesus' disciples need to be prepared for the dangers that there are ahead. They're going to have to keep an, uh, an eye on their lives and on their faith. And that may require urgent investigation. From time to time, it might involve drastic measures or changes of direction to avoid eternally catastrophic results. Uh, just like I couldn't afford to ignore the, the flashing lights and um, beeps and messages that appeared on the very fancy uh, informatic display of my hire car on holiday every now and then. So I need, you and I need to pay close attention to Jesus' warnings. If we do, we'll stay on that road with him towards eternal life and forgiveness. And if you're here with us this morning, you know that you're not yet following Jesus. I hope that what we hear this morning from him will encourage you to reconsider. Jesus doesn't pretend it's going to be easy, but he says that the benefits will far outweigh the costs. It will be worth it in the end. Uh, warning number one. Don't pretend you can't hide reality. Don't pretend you can't hide reality, verses 1 to 3. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So it's an enormous crowd. But Jesus isn't out to win a popularity contest. And he turns to those who've made some sort of commitment to him, personal commitment, uh, more than just the 12 apostles. And he says, watch out for the yeast-like threat of the Pharisees' hypocrisy. Yeast is a brilliantly chosen illustration. I'm a bit annoyed with myself because I meant to bring a little pot of yeast in. Uh, but you all know what it is. Uh, it is hidden and it is used in very small quantities. And yet it changes 
a lot of stuff by its powerful influence. Just because these disciples have begun to follow Jesus does not mean that they are immune from the pernicious, corrupting influence of the hypocritical Pharisees. Hypocrite is the Greek word for actor, for someone who wears a mask. And of course, play acting is a good thing to do if you're on stage, but it is not a good thing to do in real life. We all know hypocrisy when we see it, don't we? When the mask is taken off, when we see someone for who they really are, not the person they're pretending to be. And according to Jesus, the worst kind of hypocrisy is spiritual hypocrisy. The Pharisees were experts at it. Jesus exposed it. He lifted the lid on it in chapter 11. Uh, The Pharisees, they had laws all about external religion, but they paid no attention to what was going on in their hearts. They pretended to be humble, but actually they lived just for the applause of other people. And it looked like they honored God, but actually they refused to listen to him. And if God told them to change, they just ignored him. Jesus' disciples could so easily become like them, ruined spiritually and morally by this corrupting yeast, even just a little bit of it. We all know, don't we, that pretending to be something we're not can actually get us quite a long way in life, though. We all know that hypocrisy is a genuine temptation for religious people. And so what is going to help us to stay on our guard against it? Because it can get us quite a long way. Only the reality that it can't be remain hidden forever. Verse 2. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. So Jesus uses a word here that means covered up entirely. So imagine files buried in the depths of a hard drive. Imagine deleted WhatsApp messages. Imagine a secret email account. No matter how hard we hide things, Jesus says it's all going to be exposed one day. There are two stories from elsewhere in the Bible that make the point. You know the story of Achan? Joshua 7, so that the walls have fallen down in the city of Jericho, and God says, destroy everything in the city. And Achan looks at some nice stash from Jericho, and he thinks, I'll have a bit of that. And he goes back to his tent, and he buries it in the ground, underneath the ground sheet of his tent. And then God singles him out by an absolutely terrifying process of elimination until he's the only one standing there in front of the whole assembly of the people of Israel. He cannot hide his hypocrisy from God. Or what about the New Testament equivalent, Ananias and Sapphira? They sold some property and they took it to the apostles and they said, look, here's some money for the church. But they pretended that it was all the money they'd raised. They'd kept some back for themselves. And then everything was revealed. Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. Ananias and Sapphira and Achan, they thought they could hide reality behind their make-believe religion. But everything came crashing down. Literally, the earth came crashing down on Achan's head. Ananias and Sapphira came crashing down dead to the ground. 
Jesus warns us, don't pretend you can't hide reality. Hypocritical actions will be exposed, and so will hypocritical words. Verse 3, what you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. That inner room, it's not your living room or your kitchen. It's more like your downstairs toilet, or your utility room, or an old-fashioned pantry. It's a room that is right in the center of the house that you'd only ever go in by yourself. It's private. There are no windows. No one from the outside can look in. It's just you and God in that place. But whatever we whisper, even in the most secret private places of our lives, will eventually be broadcast for everyone to hear. It's a muttered curse under our breath about a colleague or a family member when we know that no one is listening. It is spoken silent slander about a politician we've heard on the radio or even I don't know about someone that we've fallen out with at church. Jesus warns us that our words will not remain hidden forever. Reminds me of that, that anecdote about the, um, the creator of Sherlock Holmes, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, apparently he was a bit of a prankster and he sent a telegram to 12 men of great virtue, respected in society, and it read simply, flee, all has been discovered. And apparently, within 24 hours, all had left the country. Now, that may not be a true story. It doesn't matter whether it is or not. What certainly matters is that one day, God will expose all hypocrisy, including among people who claim to be his people. And so if we want to get to the end of the journey, we need to heed the warning. For all our outward show, we cannot hide spiritual reality from God. And so Jesus says to you and me today, are you hiding something? Is what people see on the outside just a mask? Because if it is, and if we are, we need to stop pretending urgently. Maybe we need to ask a Christian friend to help us. Maybe we need to ask for God's help too. We certainly need to do that. But don't be overwhelmed. Jesus issues his warnings with love. He's not out to terrify his disciples. He's not out to terrify you and me. And his next warning is all about getting fear in perspective. So uh, second, don't fear people. Do fear God. Don't fear people. Do fear God. I tell you, verse 4, my friends... Do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. Hypocrisy, I think, often takes root in the fertile soil of fearing other people. So we want to be accepted and rewarded by others and so we wear a mask that fits. But Jesus, he cuts the crowd, the crowd at school, the crowd at work, on our street, online, at church. He cuts the crowd down to size and he says, what's the worst thing they could do to you? The worst thing they could do is kill you. Now, many of these disciples, they were martyred. But even they had to see things in their proper perspective. Verse 5. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Let me tell you a story about a man who believed those words. So the Roman consul, proconsul, who had arrested Polycarp, the 
the second century bishop of Smyrna, he said to him, if you despise the wild beasts, the wild beasts he's threatened to, to throw at Polycarp, he says, I will have you burned. Polycarp replied, you threaten me with fire, which burns for an hour and is then extinguished. But you know nothing of the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment. I love this bit. Why are you waiting? Bring on whatever you want. Now there's a man who believed what Jesus said. God has authority over us for all eternity. He is our creator and our judge, and he has the right to cast us into a place of eternal punishment. It would be utter foolishness not to revere him and not to honor him as God. And if we fear him rightly, then fear of all other people will soon pale into insignificance. Jesus says, don't fear people, do fear God. And yet at the same time, in the most extraordinary and wonderful way, we do not need to be terrified of this God who holds eternity in our hands. Verse 5, Jesus said, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, one penny apparently is worth about a tenth of a denarius. A denarius is about the daily wage for a a, a labourer. So according to my maths, it took me about 15 minutes to figure this out. Uh, One sparrow is about 4% of an average person's daily work, working a 10-day shift. It's about 25 minutes and you earn a sparrow. They were literally, there's a pun coming here, the cheapest of the cheap. Cheap, cheap. They were little, worthless, throwaway things. But not to God. God knew every single one. You see, God does not just know every single one of the estimated 8 billion people on this planet intimately. He also knows every single one of the estimated 1.6 billion sparrows on the planet. Do you want some more numbers? Verse 7, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Apparently an average of 100,000 hairs on an average person's head. If you're a blonde, you may have as many as 150,000. If you're a redhead, maybe as few as 90,000. Some here may have very few at all, but God still knows every single one. On any given day, you'll lose between 50 and 100. And God keeps track of that. God knows every single one of us with a level of intimacy and detail that literally should make every single one of the hairs on our head stand on end. No wonder he calls us my friends. And so he says, verse 7, don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Don't you think that Jesus said that with a little smile on his face and a chuckle in his voice? To disciples of who were frightened of what other people thought of them, frightened of what other people could do to them, frightened of the dangers and hypocrisy in their lives, frightened of and asking questions like, what are they going to say about me? What are they going to think about me? What are they going to do to me in my wider family or at work or at school or on social media or with my friends or with my enemies? What if I just pretend? What if I just do Christian stuff at church and I just pretend I'm like everyone else outside in the big wild world because it's too scary 
Jesus says with a smile on his lips and a chuckle in his voice, a spark in his eye, an arm, our, arm around our shoulder, he says, you are worth more than many sparrows, my friends. Don't fear people. Do fear God. Honor and revere the God who holds eternity in his hands and allow his extraordinary love for you to cut the crowds down to size. Take that vital lesson to heart, into the depths of your heart, he says, because if you do, you will be prepared to respond rightly to warning number three. Don't deny Jesus. Speak boldly for him. Don't deny Jesus. Speak boldly for him. Verse 8, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. It's it's a law court scene, okay? Uh, Jesus is the Son of Man. That means he's God's appointed judge of all people of all time. And a day is coming when he is going to announce a verdict, one of two verdicts over every single person. And he's going to announce that verdict before the onlooking gallery of angels. Either someone is going to be held up as belonging to Jesus or they're not. Either they will be standing up, they'll be, they'll be vindicated as a person on his side, or they will not be. And the decisions that we make in this life will, be, will determine the verdict that we're going to hear when our time comes. But there's a, a problem. It feels like there's a problem. Doesn't this warning feel like it's come a bit too late for you and me? Because haven't we all at times been less than clear about our faith? Haven't we all at times... Um, pretended that we're not really following Jesus. What hope is there for for people like us? Well, thankfully, I think Jesus is describing the consistent direction of our life. So just look at verse 9 again. Whoever disowns me before others, well, more literally, it's the disowner of me. It's the person whose whose whole direction of their life is a life of denial. It's not just the one-off, but the regular habit And a a similar idea comes up in the next verse, which is one of the most enigmatic and puzzling things Jesus ever said. Verse 10, everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. What is this unforgivable sin Jesus, Jesus is warning us about? Well, think about it like this. The Spirit, what is his task? His task is to reveal Jesus. His task is to show people who Jesus is and why we need him and how to respond to him. And and the Spirit, he speaks to our hearts and he leads us to put our trust in Jesus. And so to, to blaspheme against him is to point blank reject his work. A person who will not accept and trust the Spirit, trust what the Spirit reveals about Jesus, well, that person is by definition beyond forgiveness. Takes us back to where we began. We can all be hypocritical, can't we? It is part and parcel of being human. But a hypocrite doesn't just behave hypocritically every now and then. A hypocrite is a person who just never takes the mask off, even when the Spirit, through the Word of God, speaks to their hearts. And so the warning is clear. All sin can be forgiven, but not a lifetime of consistently denying the truth about Jesus. And that is a warning. It's a warning for those who claim to be Christian but who hide a different reality. 
And it's also for those who haven't yet trusted Jesus. And if you're here again this, this morning and you know that you haven't yet trusted Jesus, then you need to know that there's no fence to sit on in eternity. You need to make a decision. Will you follow Jesus and be forgiven? Or will you refuse to believe and remain unforgiven forever? But for those who are trusting and following him, Jesus has a wonderful encouragement. He knows that sometimes ordinary disciples are tempted to put on a mask or tempted to put a muzzle on their mouth to save their own skin. But in those moments, the Spirit is there on our side. Verse 11. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Let me take you back to to Polycarp. So before the fire is prepared, the proconsul gives Polycarp a way out. He says, have respect for your old age. Swear by the fortune of Caesar. Repent. In other words, deny Jesus and glorify Caesar as God. And Polycarp answered, 86 years I have served him and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my saviour? So there is Polycarp experiencing the truth of Jesus' promise that the Spirit is giving him words to say. And countless other believers since have experienced the truth of that promise. Persecution may come from religious authorities or secular authorities or political powers, but God never leaves his people to defend themselves alone. The same Spirit who reveals the truth about Jesus to our hearts helps us to speak up up for him in ways that we may never imagine. I don't think this necessarily means that we, we just expect miraculous words to come out of our mouths if the pressure is on. Well, I guess God could do that, couldn't he? I think what it encourages us to do, rather, is to be clear about what we believe, to know our Bibles well, to, to have thought beforehand about what God says, what the gospel says about the world, or to have rehearsed our own story about how we came to faith so that we can share that if the pressure is on. Because then the Spirit may help us to share the stuff we've already thought about, to share the knowledge of what we know in the Bible. Remember Peter. So Peter denies Jesus three times, but he's restored. And then in his letter he says, always be prepared to give an answer, a defense, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So he is trusting the Spirit to help God's people to give an answer. He's trusting Jesus' promise. In other words, don't deny Jesus. Speak boldly for him. And I think that as our Western culture becomes not just less and less Christian, but more and more anti-Christian, we need to take that warning seriously. I know that we don't yet face those who may kill the body, It's unlikely. But Christians can have their job opportunities killed or be passed over for promotion or end up in courts for sharing their faith or for acting upon it. Somebody's social media following could be killed for saying something biblical. Children may face pressure from their peers or their teachers in school if they are known as Christians and who want to stand up for what the Bible says is true. And that pressure upon them, perhaps, is only going to get 
harder and hotter. But the Father knows the hairs on our head, and he's on our side. And we don't need to worry, and our children don't need to worry or be afraid either. We really are worth more than many, many sparrows. We can face the the future with confidence. And as we face that future, we have this extraordinary privilege of pointing other people to Jesus, the one who can forgive all manner of sin if only people would put their trust in him. So do you remember where we are? Jesus is heading to the cross. He is going to suffer hell, so we don't have to. He is going to walk the journey that his disciples cannot walk so that they can follow him to heaven. It's not easy. It's often very hard. And there'll be many things that will unnerve us along the way that may trip us up. But he will take us to the end. And so maybe this morning, a bit like every now and then on holiday, there are these warning lights flashing on the dashboard of my fancy Peugeot um, in Spain. Maybe there are warning lights flashing on the dashboard of your heart as you hear those warnings from Jesus. And maybe you need to take urgent um, action or investigation. Don't pretend. You can't hide reality. Don't fear people. Do fear God. Don't deny Jesus. Speak boldly for him. Should have a moment of quiet um, for our own prayers. And then I'll invite Nush up to come and lead us in prayer as well.